Welcome back, Red Pill Empaths and Truth Seekers. We are at 86% of the Jeff Berwick and Charlie Robinson's book on the controlled demolition of the American Empire. We're in the place still that says ring in the alarm bells. We are still in safe spaces, trigger warnings, and snowflakes, but we are toward the end. I can see the end of this approaching. Moving forward, we are at the point where we're talking about gun control. And here, little drum roll before we start. So we left off uh, saying that the governments, um, you know, want to take away all the rights to guns slowly and they're doing that. Chairman Mao is famously quoted as saying, you disarm the population before the slaughter. That's right. So what should make the Chinese version of tyranny look any different than the American style? They both will taste like blood and smell like death, and they will have been enabled by the very people that the government eventually turns against. Do you remember all of you non-vegans when you say that, well, the animals are more stupid, da da da? This is exactly the same thing. So until you understand that being non-vegan is causing all of this and you're responsible for this because karma is a bitch and what you give out you receive back this is not gonna end and i'm sorry to say but non-vegans uh who learn the truth and you know have the cognitive dissonance and come back and say now they needed this wake-up call because basically you know this is a wake-up call for all of you who have behaved like a superhuman and when you were faced with the reality instead of saying fuck you know, I didn't know, and change your act, continued and tried to justify it. And unfortunately, there are lots of people, you know, even Dr. Shiva, he still tries to justify it. And I'm sorry, that shows that they have not really evolved, and it makes me think, are you a shill, or are you just not that emotionally evolved, you know? Because you have to be truly addicted to something to try and justify such cruelty. And that's the bottom line. Anyway. Criminals in blue costumes. Civil asset forfeiture is a legal process in which law enforcement officers take assets from people suspected of involvement in legal activity without necessarily charging the owners with wrongful doing. While civil procedure usually involves a dispute between two private citizens, civil assets forfeiture involves a dispute between law enforcement and property such as a briefcase filled with cash, a Ferrari, or a house, if those things happen to be suspected of being involved in a crime. Oh yeah, and they do it. Like they did it here in Canada with the pot people, right? I mentioned many times before. Trudeau, you know, they did that. And then Trudeau legalized it, and they used the same thing. And it's true, I actually knew people, <laughs> personally. So, and I've, I've never really been involved in any of that other than using the pot when I was really sick. But I can tell you that, you know, it's pretty fucked up. To get their seized property back, owners must prove that the car, the cash, the item was not involved in criminal activity. So they can take it away without proving anything, but you have to prove. You see how fucked up that is? To be clear, but this comes from uh, respect is earned, not given. Remember that. To be clear, they do not have to prove that this property is the result of a crime. They just have to believe that it might be involved or gained through illegal activity. The burden of proof falls on the shoulder of the person 
that had their property taken. The person does not need to even be charged with a crime. In fact, the person is not even involved with this case because it is the police against the property, not the person. <laughs> yeah, it makes complete sense, right? It's so idiotic. The case will be called something like the state of Oklahoma versus one silver necklace and four gold chains. <laughs> the epitome of idiosity right here, man. It would be hilarious if it were not so scary. I mean, the thing is, guys, that giveaway is that how many lawyers do you have in the States? Duh, the more fucking lawyers you have, the more of those cons you have in, in, and judges, all those corrupt entities that are completely fucking useless and very full of themselves. You know, they wasted tons of time learning a bunch of shit just to screw over good people. I mean, how good they can be, you know? And then the odd one that is really convinced soon realizes, oh shit, I can't win because the system is rigged and it's built to fuck over good people. <laughs> So once you realize that, just like Western shit care, if you don't get out, you're just as much as a corrupt piece of shit as the others. And at that point, it's not ignorance, it's not anything else, it's just you're in fear of losing whatever it has, and you are in your ego mode. Just like all of you idiots who think that you're smarter, you know, oh, I have high IQ. So what? I know tons of people who have high IQ, they say, and then they're complete morons because their emotional intelligence is zero, which is the part that actually matters. So, you know, <laughs> the real power is in the emotional intelligence, not in the IQ. The IQ is merely the calculator, guys, realize this. So great, you're a fast calculator. Woo, amazing. Were you born that way? Yeah, so why are you fucking taking pride in something you took no part in creating? You were just lucky to be given. You should be thankful. Idiots. Anyway, it would be hilarious if it were not so scary. Yeah, well, it is hilarious anyway. There is another version of this called criminal forfeiture, which is what happens when the person is being charged with a crime and the police go after their property. The evidence required is beyond a reasonable doubt, whereas the requirement for civil asset forfeiture is only a preponderance of evidence, which is about as vague as one can get in a court of law. I mean, it's ridiculous. The potential for abuse with a system like this is obvious, but what makes it even more dangerous is that federal and local law enforcement agencies have come to depend on this as a revenue stream to finance their operation. There is a very real incentive for the police to classify the property as being involved in a crime, therefore subject to immediate confiscation with no rights for the owner of the merchandise. They did it to my friend Brian, who was doing a lot of uh, stuff um, on uh, free energy, right? And they went and seized his stuff with no explanation, nothing. So the idea behind civil assets for feature is that the police department would bust a big drug kingpin, take his huge pile of cash and use that money to finance their operation to catch the next drug lord. This would work to weaken the drug dealer by reducing his ability to conduct business while simultaneously helping to find the operation of law enforcement. In theory, this could work. In reality, this is a disaster. If a person thinks that arrogant cops are a problem when they give out a speeding ticket for going three miles per hour over the speed limit, which is ridiculous, Wait until they write up their police report claiming that they suspect them of being a drug dealer and they take their car 
all the money in their wallet and what was left in their faith in law enforcement. No judge, no jury, no rights. <laughs> and it's true. This is no exaggeration and people might be surprised to learn that there are thousands of examples of this very scenario being played out all across the United States. The great United States of America. <laughs> the land of the brainwashed, as I've been saying for a while. Unfortunately. It has gotten to the point that most law enforcement budgets actually factor in the assumption of revenue from seizing people's possessions as a way of financing their operations. Many cities across the country have been going down a similar path for decades when they decided that they would make the police officers revenue generate generators to go along with their law enforcement duties. That motorcycle cop that is hiding in the bushes with his radar gun pointed at cars probably has a quota of speeding tickets he's required to meet if he wants to stay on good terms in his precinct. It's, it's not like bribery or anything, right? Like, I mean, it's not like, you know, making up numbers and... No, no, no. <laughs> it's only salesmen that are bad, right? Nobody else has put it. <laughs> The city or country is dependent on that ticket revenue to partially fund their operations. So if a decision needs to be made between responding to a burglary call on the radio or writing up a speeding ticket for a housewife that is late to pick up her kid from soccer practice, it might depend on where the cop is with his quota for the month and if the woman is showing cleavage or not, if he's not gay, of course. <laughs> These days, while issuing the speeding ticket to the motorist running late to work, the officer will have a much larger incentive to take a peek inside the car to see if there is anything of value that might be construed as something that would be considered the byproduct of a crime. Is that your laptop computer? It matches the description of one that was just reported stolen in the area. Do you have your receipt? Oh yeah, I always carry my receipts with me all the time, guys. Police will analyze the intentions of a motorist, determine how nervous the driver or their passenger appears to be, then illegally search their car without a warrant, then demand that the driver sign a waiver releasing the goods to the officer in exchange for not being arrested. Wow, coercion much? The Comprehensive Crime Control Act of 1984 took civil assets for feature to a whole new level by permitting local and federal governments to divide up the confiscated assets between their departments as a way of penalizing people suspected of committing a crime involving the property. Yep, they do that. In only eight years, the authorities kept three billion of cash and goods as part of a crime-fighting strategy. Give me a fucking break. They are like cheap disease whores, that's what they are. They hide behind false pretenses. Or, you know, like those idiots who call it ASMR, but it's really fucking a step away from porn. Yeah, that's not ASMR, just so you know. And I don't care about porn, I don't watch it because it's a satanistic ritual and I have dug inside of it for long enough. Personally, I've seen enough shit. And I can tell you one thing. Um, it's pretty pathetic. <laughs> if a person has a misfortune of getting pulled over for a broken taillight while on their way to buy a used car with cash, 
they may very well be considered a criminal and end up getting robbed by a band of actual criminals wearing police uniforms. So any of you who apply to these jobs are just as bad, just so you know. It is used to be that college kids <laughs> heading over the border to Tijuana from San Diego would be warned to be careful when interacting with the Mexican Federals because uh, they might be targeted and extorted for all the cash in their pocket in exchange for not experiencing a frightening night in a TJ jail, <laughs> Tijuana jail, for doing nothing wrong other than looking like an easy mark. That's right. Now they have to worry about the cops on the American side of the border, shaking them down as well. But it gets much worse. Police officers in New York would pull over drunk drivers and seize their cars. The person would be charged criminally for drunk driving, and a civil case would be brought against the property, in this case the car, for being used to facilitate the drunk driving. The police would then sell the car and keep the money the way they saw this. The car was an accessory to the crime. Is this massive conflict of interest becoming more obvious? Of course, come on. It did not take long before police departments realized that they were sitting on a gold mine, so they decided to pass on the robbery calls and instead focus on actively searching out drug dealers driving cars. Oh, but they're all doing it for your protection. Yeah, right. They brought in a consultant named Joy David, who trained them in the finer points of stop and seizure techniques for finding large amounts of cocaine while hidden in cars and trucks on highways. The process was called desert snow, and the guy was really great at finding massive amounts of blow in places most cops would not think to check. Soon David and his team had trained an army of cops in his special detective ways in exchange of 25% of the value of the confiscated loot, which put one of five million in his pocket over a five-year period. Wow, yeah, he did it out of the goodness of his heart to save you, sheeple. <laughs> who knew the finding cocaine business paid so well? Well, the people who started in the first place, right? The cash that was taken from these stops was used to pay for training, seminars, equipment, parties, travel to Las Vegas or elsewhere. A Texas prosecutor used confiscated cash to take his wife off his stuff and even a judge to Hawaii for a vacation. Oh, really? Well, I, knew, I know a few here and I'm wondering if they did the same thing. Oh, no, wait, some of them have trust funds. <laughs> And then they, they talk as if, you know, they had such a hard life, these people. It's like, was it really hard pushing those buttons to take out the money from your trust fund that your mommy and daddy gave you? Oh, yeah, you're so special. And why wouldn't he, since there are no penalties for wrongfully keeping someone's cash? If they were really into doing good stuff, right, they would donate the money and actually help people who need it. But you know they're not there for that. All they need to show is that it was in some way drug-related. However, they decided to classify that, and the money is theirs. DOJ, the Department of Injustice. When the Justice Department got involved in the civil asset forfeiture process back in 1985, they did not really understand the depth of what they had created, as evidenced by the fact that they only netted 27 million that year. 
They were really only scratching the surface in those days, but it did not take long for them to think like the crooks that they are supposed to be arresting. The criminals in the DOJ, and there are many, realized that they could steal far more money than they originally thought because there was practically no oversight. When the public made some noise, they would just have a couple of politicians enact some law reducing their ability for confiscation, then quietly refuse to enforce that law. They were never going to actually shut down that revenue stream. There was simply far too much money at stake to build a dam to stop the river of cash that was flowing night and right into the DOJ. This is not about having a few cop cars, some equipment, and a few thousand hours of overtime covered through this theft. And to be clear, it is a form of theft. Well, undoubtedly it is. This is about $4.2 billion coming into the Department of Justice during 2012 alone. And then they say they can't end hunger? Really? Some of this money is from illegal activities and most of it it is not. This is the Department of Justice stealing money from citizens with no remorse and no real oversight. This figure is almost double what it was only two years earlier, and there is no sign of this slowing down anytime soon. It might be hard to believe that the Department of Justice could find billions of dollars hidden in cars, but the seizures are not limited to drug dealers with cash in their hidden compartments. They take real estate bank accounts, firearms, Chinese restaurants, motels, sailboats, vacant land, or whatever they can get their hands on. If they think there is an even a tangible connection between a person and property, they will snatch it and make the owner figure out how to get it back. Of course, the real owner will no longer have any money to hire a lawyer to try and get their money back, because justice is only for the rich, remember that, there is no justice. So this is not going to end well for the victim or the scheme. They do have the right to sue the police department and even collect lawyer fees if they are successful with their, their suit. But that information is not made available to most people. So they assume that there is no point in hiring an attorney for $10,000 in order to help them get their $10,000 back from the police. Wow, right? When a person does sue the police department for their money back and they win the case, the cash is paid back from taxpayer money, in case you didn't know, not from the police departments themselves. People that have fought back against criminal cops stealing their money have in some cases been told by the courts that their money has already gone into the police pension fund and it is not available to them any longer. <laughs> complete robbery and thievery and fuckery mockery. The money from working people will be going to finance police officers that are not working. How is that right? Exactly. Public servants, they are and they're not behaving like such. Sorry, you want respect? You have to give it and they are not giving any. Time to fire them all, people. If the rule of law depends on respect for and fairness by the police officer then, by keeping this unfair system of random confiscation of assets of the people, it must be an intentional way of creating an adverse relationship with the public. Duh. 
When the police look at the average citizen has a pile of money, they become beneath them and are subject to being treated like a second-class citizens. <gasps> yeah, that's right. Bringing down a society happens much faster when the controllers can divide it, the people into one camp and the law enforcement into another. A person that believes that a cop might take everything that they have worked their entire lives for is not going to call 9-11. Oh, sorry, 911. Honest mistake. <laughs> when something bad goes wrong in their lives. The rule of law fails to exist under these conditions because there is no trust between the protectors and the protected. Because adults don't need that shit. So, is this an international way, intentional way, sorry, yeah, it is international too, way to create division? Absolutely. The answer, of course, is yes. This is done by design to divide and conquer the people into much smaller groups while simultaneously sowing fear and doubt in their heads about how the rule of law does not apply equally. But see, everybody believes in the world is a dangerous place because even they were mentioned before. The world is a dangerous place because of these losers, these 0.01% of subhumans who are another species. They have no empathy. They're not gifted at all other than in fooling people and turning the good stuff people, you know, create into shit. That's all they do. In order to properly summarize how off the rails the civil asset for feature fraud has gone, in 2014, law enforcement officers took 50% more property from American citizens than burglars did. The 3.5 billion stolen by burglars pales in comparison to the 5 billion taken by the Treasury and Justice Department. Who are the real criminals in this scenario? Well, we know who they are, and we're tired of waiting for the sheeple to wake the fuck up. That's my answer. Bullets for me, not for thee. <laughs> Sounds about right. So much for what helps people prepare for what is coming in the near future depends on one's ability to recognize the changes that are happening as well as any unusual disturbances that are out of the ordinary and may be used to alert a person about what the future may hold. Those that are observant will be able to see the moves being made by those in position of power and can respond accordingly. Uh, those who are observant is because they're not in flight or fight, so realize this and stop freaking trying to tell them they're being stupid. They are not in any position to be observant, so we need to help them get out of that. And thanks for not helping me because I did it mostly by myself, so, you know, that's why I try and help them now. Someone's gotta. As an example, the Department of Homeland Security had issued an open purchase order for 1.6 billion rounds of ammunition in 2013. So much for ending <laughs> wars, right? Some of these purchase orders in for hollow point rounds forbidden by international law for use in war, as well as bullets specialized for use by snipers. What are they doing with that stuff? Have you ever wondered? To put the bullet purchase in perspective, in comparison to the 6 million bullets per month used in Iraq, the 1.6 billion rounds would be enough to sustain a war for over 25 years. I mean, it's pretty fucked up, guys. This was not the first major purchase of bullets in DHS. In 2012, by DHS, sorry. In 2012, the Department of Homeland Security, which is DHS, brought 
360,000 rounds of hollow point bullet and 1.5 billion traditional rounds. The Department of Homeland Security requested another 450 million rounds in addition to its 1.6 billion order. What the fuck are they doing with that? The Department of Homeland Security is apparently taking delivery of an under, undetermined number of the recently retrofitted 2,717 mine-resistant protect, protected MRAP MRAP vehicles for use in the United States. They are also seeking 62.5 million rounds of .223 Remington ammunition for use with the AR-15 and Ruger Mini-14. Now, I, I hate anything to do with this stuff, so I'm very ignorant about it, pardon me, if I stumble as I read it. But I, in a society, my, my world doesn't require guns, so, you know. Money spent on military equipment and bullets between 2006 and 2014. Yeah, keep spending money on bullshit, but hey, we can't end hunger and uh, people living on the street. Department of Veterans Affairs, 11.7 million. Internal Revenue Service, 10.7 million. Animal and Plant Inspection Services, 4.8 4 million. Bureau of the Public Debt, 2.8 million. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, one minus, <laughs> no, sorry, not minus, that was just me. 1.02 million plus 46 thousand rounds of hollow point bullets. I'm sorry, I mean, this is just blowing my mind, all these numbers. Food and Drug Administration, $815,000. Social Security Administration, $417,000, plus 174 rounds of hollow point bullets. Also, I'm not commenting on the numbers, are always the same repetitive Gematra numbers, but, you know. Department of Education, 413,000. Uh, Smithsonian Institution, 309,000. National Institute of Standards and Technology, 262,000. Small Business Administration, 76,000. Railroad Retirement Board, 44,000. Department of Agriculture, 320,000 rounds of hollow point bullets. U.S. Bureau reclaimed 41,600 rounds of hollow-point bullets plus 10,400 rounds of shotgun shells. Department of Justice, 95,000 rounds of 9mm hollow-point bullets plus 46,000 rounds of .223 caliber plus 4,750 rounds of shotgun shells. FBI, 100 million hollow-point bullets. At least the country can sleep well knowing that the Smithsonian Museum is sitting on an arsenal in case someone tries to seal their T-Rex bones, which are not even real, by the way. <laughs> you know that uh, none of that stuff is real, right? Fossils are with none of that bullshit dinosaurs. All those bones are fake. They're just, you know, supposedly reproductions. Yeah, they're just fake. It is not an unreasonable question to ask why these agencies feel the need to arm themselves to the teeth. And it also begs a question about who they consider to be the enemy. <laughs> I would worry if I were you Americans. <laughs> one major possibility for causing massive civil unrest has to do with the one aspect of American society that all citizens have in common, and that is the dollar. The outrage that erupts when an unarmed black teenager is shot by police 
tend to be limited either geographically or due to race, but everyone would be impacted and vocal if there was a bank run. The scary truth is that what is separating this scenario from crossing over from a possibility to reality is not very much at all. In fact, it is dumb luck that it has not happened already. Whoa, so we are in a new part now, finally. We are in the pushing down the plunger, and we're gonna cover that in the next part. We are at 88% of the book. Woo, people, yay! And I'm getting more used to talking so much um, and reading out things. It was really hard in the beginning. I mean, it, it does take exercise and the muscles do come together more. So yeah, thank you for helping me tone my throat because I need it. You know, I'm almost 47 and I need to start toning this area, right? <laughs> I'll see you in the next one here, a little drum roll just to cheer you up because honestly, all those numbers, the way I read them, it's just like, you have to excuse me, but my head blows when I read all those numbers and what they signifies.